Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. It's uh, Alex Ryan and Sam here today. Um, Going to do some basketball. Um, we're a good way into the season. We've got some trade ideas we want to knock around. Um, it's about the time people start talking about that. So we thought we'd join the discourse. Uh, but first, I think we are going to talk a little bit about the um, playoff rankings that were released last night. Um, so OU's at nine. They don't pass um, hardly anybody. They only move up one spot. Uh, Alex, tell me how outraged you are. So, I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not outraged. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought we would jump Penn State. I don't really think there is a good argument to be had that Penn State's a better team than OU. Um, but I think that, you know, it's fair to say that their resume is probably a little bit more impressive than ours. So I'm fine with them being ahead of us. And that will be taken care of this weekend. Um, so honestly, just looking at it, like if you're just looking at this from an OU perspective, in terms of what needs to happen for them to get into the playoffs, it honestly comes down to the Pac-12, um, which right. is hilarious. Um, but the it really comes down to, you know, the winner of the Pac-12 championship needs to have two losses. And that doesn't seem incredibly likely right now. Um, I think OU is going to have problems if it comes to jumping Oregon just straight up if Oregon's a one-loss team. I do think that OU would have a decent chance of jumping Utah just from a kind of a name standpoint and the fact that like Utah doesn't have anything overly impressive on their resume either. Like they don't have any big time out of conference performances. They don't have like a, even like a close loss to Auburn or anything. Like they are and it's freaking Utah. Like Oregon at least has some name recognition. So that's to me what really it comes down to. I'm not concerned about Auburn. Um and, you know, I think Georgia will probably be taken care of by LSU in the SEC title. Obviously, if that doesn't happen, then everybody gets screwed. So, right. uh, yeah, it, to me, it seems pretty clear. It's like it's going to come down. Oh, obviously, OU needs to win out. I think they will. Um, and it's just going to come down to what happens in the Pac-12. They need, like, if the Pac-12 championship game is just, like, a seven to nine bullshit, terrible game. Like the PAC 12 championship tends to be. Um, then maybe that's something that you could overcome, even if Oregon is, is still with one loss, but um, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm that's really where, what it comes down to. Yeah. And also if, you know, I, I don't, people are like, man, Oh, you could get some big favors from Arizona state. If they could just beat Oregon this week, which isn't going to happen at all. But, or Oregon, I don't know why I said Oregon State. Love to see those guys in the playoff. But, um, yeah, if, if, so Oregon is not going to lose to Arizona State. But Herm could come in and, like, muck up the game and keep it, you know, 19-7. to 7. And Oregon's been kind of dicking around with everybody lately and getting off to some slow starts. So there's a chance that, you know, if OU just comes out and rolls straight through, you know, quality wins, TCU, OSU, and Baylor, that would be two more top 25 wins and a, cha a conference championship. And if they just dominate all of those, then the big name mixed with the game control narrative, like you, you could see them potentially jumping a PAC 12 champion deserved or not. Um, I would say not, but you, you could definitely see it happen. And it's you know good to be in a fan base where you have that kind of privilege to look at. But I mean, yeah, we definitely 
would prefer to get some help from some chaos in the Pac-12. Um, like we said on the last show, not worried about Alabama at all. I don't think they're... I think Alabama, one, would, would have to have just some huge help to get in. I mean, Pac-12 lose, Oklahoma lose, and I don't know, maybe even... No, Georgia wouldn't be ahead of them. But, I mean, they, they are not... They do not control their own path to the playoff. So it looks it's okay for OU. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up until the Pac-12 loses because it's not a very good conference, and I think those two are head and shoulders above the rest of them. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but not outraged by the uh, rankings that came out last night. Yeah, I concur with everything. Um, obviously, you know, you would love OU to be higher right now but it doesn't really matter like you don't get points for being ranked well in a previous poll when they come to the final poll Mm -hmm. and it's just going to determine on what things look like then i do think that if the um you know if the pack of championship is unwatchable and like we were right and the team really figured things out at halftime at baylor and it's going to come out and just roll from here on out you know i think you could potentially make the argument that they look like the best one loss conference champion in that point, that point. But, um, yeah, other than that, um, it just, it's going to come down to, you know, what happens elsewhere. Now that's what happens when you lose is you, you sort of take, uh, you take this out of your own hands. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I was so mad after that loss. It was just, it was an inexplicable loss that, you know, put us in this position where we have to like, I mean, I'm going to be at the OU game on Saturday, like, on my phone watching some of the Arizona State-Oregon game. I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't want to care about freaking Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks. I don't give a shit about them. But now, I have to. So, that's that's annoying. Um, so, let's go ahead and get into the basketball because, um, like, it's I don't hoop season. Not- it is. It's basketball season. Um, it's been a really interesting start to the year so far in the NBA. Um, and I've been kind of, you know, really what spurred this on in terms of us doing a podcast was I got really interested in the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm just kind of like looking at their roster and the way it's constructed and the way they're playing right now. And the fact that they are literally right now currently losing to the New York Knicks at home by 11 late in the third quarter. Right. Um, so I, I've kind of come to the realization and just I'm of the opinion that I think that the Sixers need to trade Ben Simmons. Um, you get a three tonight, though. How are you going to trade him the night you get a three? I mean, I'm not saying they have to trade him tonight. He's never I'm, missed a three in his NBA career. And you're going to do that to him. <laughs> I am just saying that I think that in the long run, they're going to they're going to need to shake things up because I do not think that the way they've built this roster will work. Like they yeah, literally they, they start they start three power forwards or they start two power forwards, two centers, and like a small forward. Like yeah. that doesn't work in 2019. I think it it could work if, and it's very indicative that Ben Simmons is the problem. I think it could work if they would stagger those guys a little bit. And, you know, I think Tobias Harris, if they would switch out Tobias Harris, let him run a lot of the second unit 
and just cook and then just get a straight shooter out there. Ben Simmons absolutely insists on running the point like that. That would be a much more cohesive lineup than what they predominantly run out there right now. Right. right. Um, so much of Philly's problems would be solved if everyone was shooting well. Right. And if, you know, like what, if the idea if that their defense is well, like, mean, like, like talking about, well, I mean, not career lows. Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris, like Tobias Harris is shooting twenty one percent from three right now, and right. Josh Richardson is also shooting a career low. Like that's not going to happen all year, and that's definitely part of their problem right now. And it's mm-hmm. like shows how talented the team is because they're still you know winning at a decent clip. They they've been cold lately, but they can win a lot of different ways. The number one way right now being is just out talent people and muck up the game which is ugly to watch obviously but i just the way i look at it is that when it comes down to important basketball when you're playing against good basketball teams they're not gonna be able to score at the end of games and they're not gonna get in the playoffs and blow teams out like yes i think if they shoot well they can get put themselves in position to where when they play just average to below average teams, they'll be up by 15 in the fourth quarter, so they won't have to score a lot super late. But when it comes down and you're playing the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs, like, yeah, you're going to have to create shots late in the game that doesn't include getting the ball to Joel Embiid every time. Like, that's you have to have a perimeter guy that can do that. And watching uh, the Sixers play the Thunder the other night, the Thunder had a guy in Chris Paul that could get his shot whenever he wanted, and that really is what led the Thunder to winning the game. Like Ben Simmons, I watched him the last five minutes of regulation and overtime. He didn't even look at the basket. Like how right. how your primary ball handler be a guy that won't even look at the basket? I don't care what other great gritty things he does. Like you know, if you get can't if you won't shoot the ball. Like then you're a liability to your team, right? Um, you know, I'm thinking about the 76ers, and you know, you talk about um, Chris Paul just being able to get his shot. Um, a lot has been made about how incredibly well sized this team is because they are huge, right? Um, I think a re- I, th- I think it's pretty troubling that like that hasn't necessarily led to incredible defense consistently like and obviously like Chris Paul is an amazing player <laughs> I don't know if he's really amazing but you, you, Chris Paul is an established guy who can like come off a pick and roll and take a shot from the mid-range you know he's a that's you know he can do that and he's really good at it and he's done that all his career but he's still like a foot shorter than Ben Simmons and so if Ben Simmons is going to be guarding ones like ones that are a foot shorter than him, like he's got to be able to make them work in a way that he wasn't really able to do. And that's the problem is like, if Ben Simmons can't like absolutely lock down the opponents, like scoring point guard and he disappears, like what's he doing at the end of games? And like, you know, that's a problem. That's a really significant problem. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that's, to me, even more concerning than the offense is the defense. 
because like you know in that game against the thunder like i don't think the 76ers registered a single block like the thunder were scoring in the paint really well um and i haven't seen like what they're like you know their net ratings are or anything um or their defensive rating is so and i also haven't watched a ton of sixers basketball but like looking at that one game uh the thunder are not an incredible team the thunder are not a particularly big team um are the sixers too big like are they like in this fast-paced nba like are they getting run on like and can they cope with that are they able to muck things up in the half court enough to make up for the fact that they're like a, a bunch of big dudes who probably can't keep up with guards down the floor? And currently it doesn't look like that's the case. And that's an issue. Well, so I want to I want to propose a trade first before because I, I came up with a bunch of Ben Simmons trades that I would probably do. I would probably do all six trades that I came up with. But I want to propose one first that would, I think, kind of hopefully fix some of the problems they have in that I think, you know, I know Sam is of the belief that Ben Simmons needs to not play point guard. Um, They need to make him into a four. Not even a four. I don't even know like what to call him, but just doesn't have to handle the ball so much. Like I don't understand. He would be great as the role man in a pick and roll. And it's like, if you could, and you have one, you know, coming up that keeps, Ben Simmons on the Sixers roster and just like, yeah, I guess technically playing the four is the second biggest guy on the floor, but yeah, I'll let you go. Right. Well, and okay. So I just look at the way, first of all, the way they built the roster to me is just incompetent. I'm just going to be straight up with it. Like this team cannot win a championship. And the fact that their starting point was the best center in the NBA, maybe, and maybe the most un- one of the more unique players in the NBA in Ben Simmons. That you know, for all his faults, he is an extremely talented guy that is good, has his skills on both ends of the court, and can be a really elite defensive player at times. So, like, to build a team that I don't think has a chance to win a championship unless there's a major move made after starting with those two guys to me is a pretty impressive thing um and just truly incompetent um in my opinion so like you've got these two monster players that are both like you don't have a perimeter player that can really create their own shot in those two so you would think that one of your you know third or fourth best players needs to be able to create on the perimeter and so they trade the farm for Tobias Harris, who can't really do that either. Like he can attack closeouts and do some stuff on the perimeter, but he's not a guy that you're going to give the ball to late in the game and tell him, hey, go try to get us a good shot, right? And then to cap it all off, they were really bad with Joel Embiid off the court, so they thought, well, we have to upgrade our backup center. And so they decided that they needed – one of the uh, a power forward that probably his worst skill is creating his own shot um, in Al Horford. And he's honestly just kind of mucked everything up for them offensively. And while Al Horford is a capable shooter, he's not a guy that does shoot that much. So defenses don't really care about him. You know, you could leave Al Horford open for an entire game and he's probably going to take four or five shots. 
and that's it. Like, and that's not enough for what this team needed. So kind of basing off that, I mean, I know it might seem critical for a team that is, it's not a bad basketball team by any means, but I just am critical of the fact that like they started from a point of having a treasure chest of assets and two truly elite players. And here we are like they cast all of those in and have a team that I don't think can win a championship. Um, so this trade that I've kind of you know, thrown together and I mean, I'm not going to take credit for all of this. I changed it a little bit. Um, I did hear this from somebody else. I can't even remember, but it's a three team deal with the thunder and the blazers that I think would kind of help all teams. Um, and so in this trade, it has Chris Paul going to the thunder or Chris Paul going to the Sixers. Um, the, with Danilo Gallinari and Tobias Harris going to the Trailblazers. And the Thunder in this deal get Hassan Whiteside, Kent Bazemore, Zaire Smith, and two first-round draft picks from the Blazers. Thoughts on this trade? I think it would be good. I think, I don't know, kind of like James Harden, the only way to get him to give up the ball every now and then is you have to pair him with an established vet. And so I think the only way to get Ben Simmons to give up the ball is to put him with an established vet that can handle the ball. And so, I mean, while I definitely think Chris Paul has lost a step, I think he could be good in that offense. Um, He spreads the floor out more than Tobias Harris does. He hope you theoretically makes them run more pick and roll. That was what was crazy. I was trying to find, um, looking at it's hard to find this kind of data for free, but the NBA.com has a little bit of play type tracking data, you know, who's great at pick and rolls and stuff. And the Sixers, like every play type, none of their guys have done them enough to qualify for anything. So they just are kind of a mishmash of everything and don't really have an identity. And so maybe if, you know, it's Chris Paul running the show you can do some more pick and roll with chris paul up top um so yeah i think i think that one would be good for the sixers obviously i think it's honestly a steal for the blazers they're giving up two first round picks down the road but baysmore's having a down year white side is hassan white side and then they get an elite guy for what he does in gallinari um, and then another solid player in tobias harris Granted, they have they're strapped with that contract for five years, but I think that's a pretty good all around. Um, the Thunder would obviously love to continue to gain picks, and Zaire Smith is like was created in a Sam Presti factory, so I think that one would be pretty decent all around. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, okay, hit hit me again. I've been playing with stats. Uh, so. The Thunder send Chris Paul to the Sixers. The Blazers get Gallinari and Tobias Harris. And so, that I mean, first, just a reminder that those two played together last year in L.A. and they were, like, really good together. They were really the good together, yeah. um, And the Thunder get Whiteside, who's an expiring deal. Bazemore is an expiring deal. Zaire Smith, just a young player with some potential. He's very Sam Presti-like. And they get... The one I have drawn up, they get Portland's 2022 and 2024 picks. um, Because I know the Thunder, as far as accumulating picks, they're kind of trying to push that down the road a couple years. Right. If you could get Portland's pick, especially if they're willing to lightly protect it, 
or unprotect it, like in 2024, Portland might be awful then. And I think that'd be a great pick to have. Right. So Portland gets Toby and Danilo. Yeah. Um, the Thunder get Zaire, Bazemore, and two picks. And Whiteside. And Whiteside. And who does Philly get? They get Chris Paul. So they're basically... They're trading Zaire Smith and Tobias Harris for Chris Paul. Um, Right. To me, Philly is the biggest stretch here. I think think Portland and the Thunder would do this trade tomorrow. Right. uh, Philly is the holdup here because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, putting Chris Paul on a team that has Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons... There is some explosive potential from a personality standpoint because Chris Paul's kind of a no bullshit guy, and those two guys are not no bullshit players to me. Right. So um, there's some yeah. potential there, but I mean, I think the Sixers. I would shift my thought from they can't win a championship to like I'm not saying that they would be like favorites or anything, but I think they would be in a position to where they could if they could, you know, have a good enough run in the playoffs. Right. I don't necessarily think that Philly is going to be willing to give up on Tobias Harris right now. Yeah, that, that's the thing I was kind of thinking of, too. We see it definitely a lot more in the NFL, but these guys run oh, yeah, front offices, yeah. and maybe and Elton I, Brand's different. Right. And I also, ahead, like, I, I, I do think that there's aspects of the Philly fan base, which it's a Philadelphia fan base, so of course, that are starting to turn on Toby. Um, but like the front office just handed them the biggest contract they've ever handed a player. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if it's I'll... like guys don't want to admit they're wrong. And if you're trading right. him away this quickly, it's kind of, kind of admitting that. Right. This is the, I don't think that this front off, <laughs> this front office, which um, if Sam Hinkie was there, I think that they might make this trade. Um, because I don't think Sam Hinkie is a sunk cost fallacy guy, but I got a, I have a sense that maybe this front office, which includes a relatively inexperienced Elton Brand, is going to be big into sunk cost fallacy right now. They're going to want to give the guy they handed this contract some time to figure things out. Um, so to me, Philly says no. Um, the Blazers are are interesting with regards to this because yeah, I think the Blazers would come out ahead the best in this scenario yeah, the I, mean, I think it makes be, them a win oh yeah it makes I think them the a true contender really good and it definitely like it puts them in a playoff spot where i don't necessarily think they are right now um well, i mean yeah think about how hard this team would be to defend if you've got dame and cj in the backcourt with mm-hmm. gallinari and tobias and the fords and like I don't think Nur- you can expect Nurkic to come back and be much of who he was last year, and I know that that's the popular thing. But I think just getting Hassan Whiteside off that basketball team would be a benefit in itself because he's right. fucking terrible. Right. They can play Scott LeBissier, and it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be yeah. worse than Hassan Whiteside has right go now. Go sign goddamn marching Gortat. Like, who cares? Like, go sign right. a center just, off the scrap heap. You know, shit. Anyone. Right. I What's Stephen Adams? Yeah, well, maybe the Thunder throw in Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel, yeah. Shit, let's do yeah. it. You know, like, um, but yeah, I think that would make the Blazers really interesting, really quickly. Whereas right now, I mean, they're starting. They started Hazonia for a lot of the year, and right. I mean, think about they signed Blazers. Carmelo. God they, damn, Anthony. 
It's not like Zach Collins is going to be out all year. If you put Zach Collins at the five with that team. Yeah, that's an incredible offensive team. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a five out team with Dame and CJ having lanes to penetrate like they never had. Like the Blazers are immediately super, super interesting. Right. uh, Hey, I know your dad is a a big Blazers fan. You should run this trade by him, see what he thinks. I, I definitely should. I'm sure you would say yes. He is not <laughs> excited about this mellow situation. Yeah. Um, but, with... yeah, as far as the Thunder go, like, I think getting two first-round picks from the Blazers in the future, you can't really go wrong there. And the Blazers, yeah, you probably don't want to give up two first-round picks, you know, especially if they're lightly protected. But you've got Dame Lillard playing the best basketball he's ever played. Like, if you right. don't I don't know how you defend a find-out Dame Lillard team right now. Yeah, if you don't go all in for Dame Lillard right now, then you don't deserve to really ever make a run at a title. Like you've got to make a run for Dame. Like he's a dude that's signed there until the basically the end of his career. Right. And he didn't have to do that. Like no. you know, do you know how fast? Do you know how much LeBron wants to play with Damian Lillard? Like he's outwardly said how much he would love to play with Dame Lillard. You right. Know? Like. That's a guy that he would love to have played, and he's signed long term, and when he could have gone pretty much anywhere. So right, well, the, the, like the Warriors go after D'Angelo Russell. Imagine if <laughs> Dame Lillard was like, "I kind of want to go back to Oakland," like a heartbeat, a heartbeat to put Curry and Lillard on the same team is what it would take with the Warriors. Yeah, so. I really like this deal for really all teams of all. I, I think Philly is the, the least likely to say yes, but I think they would be a better basketball team because of this trade. Like, I think Chris Paul's a better player than Tobias Harris, and I think he is more uniquely suited to – he actually kind of addresses their weaknesses, whereas Tobias Harris kind of just makes them worse. So Right. I also th- – if they, if they do make this trade, I actually <laughs> – my prediction that Philly would be better with Joel off the court um, or at least not better, but have a higher net rating with Joel off the court. Um, I think that becomes a lot more likely to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Any last thoughts on this deal before we get into some Simmons trades? Nope. I think it's, no, I think, I think I'd be, I'd love for the, I love Zaire Smith coming out. Um, and then two more picks is great. So if Thunder mm-hmm. could somehow, I was, I was also trying to think of some trades to, get Zaire Smith to Oklahoma City. So this one seems like it'd be a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, I really like this one. And I don't know. I don't know if you need a Zaire Smith or if you have a Matisse Tibble, So Right. Yeah, you really don't. Who um, is insane, but I cannot believe how quickly his defense has translated to the NBA. He's really – he's a smart player. Very good. Um, all right, so let's let's shift into the portion of the podcast where we – Instead of trying to fix the Sixers, you know, in terms of building around Simmons and Embiid, we kind of fix the main issue, in my opinion, which is that Simmons and Embiid have always been an awkward fit together. Um, And, you know, I think if the Sixers decided to want to put, you know, Simmons on the market, they would get a billion offers. And I'm going to try to simulate that process. So... Um, I'm going to be proposing all these deals to Sam and then we can either, you know, he can pick one that he likes the most or he can just say no to all of them and just continue to root for a team that's 
maybe going to lose to the Knicks tonight. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right, so first first deal is with the Golden State Warriors. Um, this sends – all these trades are just, like, Ben Simmons immediately. Like, they are only – like, all the Sixers are losing is Ben Simmons. They're not going to throw anything else in any of these trades. Um, and also, a lot, some of these, like, don't work today. Like, they would probably have to be done after the season. So just – Bear in mind, I kind of did the money loosely, so they're not perfect. But, so the first one is with the Warriors, and it has Ben Simmons going to the Warriors for D'Angelo Russell and the lottery pick that the Warriors are about to get this year. Because if, that if that were If they are doing that, then I think you take that deal. I mean, I, I don't think it happens, but I think, you know, if, again, what Ryan said earlier, if Sam Hinkie is the guy up top, I think you take that deal. Because D'Angelo Russell, I think we've seen, he's been hurt. Mo- Has he played at all this year? I know he's been hurt a lot of it. but He's played a little bit. Um, um, he's had some big games. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he has been, he had a great season last year. And, yeah, it looks like, you know, the limited time he has played this year, he's Averaging pretty good, and I think he he would be great with Joel Embiid, um, and he's the kind of guy you can do. And if that if that pick is included, I mean that's right now odds on to be the number one pick. Right. Yeah. Now, so that's kind of I assume the Warriors wouldn't do that if it was the number one pick. Like right. Third or fourth. Like I'm kind of operating from that because even if you have the worst record in the league, the odds are you're not going to get the number one pick. So. Mm-hmm kind of where I'm operating from there. Um, I think I think this is a really interesting concept. My question is Ben Simmons and Draymond Green. Yeah, it's it's it kind of interesting, I guess. I just I don't know, I, I can't decide I, if I like I, it. I don't yeah, I don't know how it's any better than what Ben Simmons situation is now. I think it's like 10 times worse putting Draymond with Ben Simmons. I just, I don't know. Like, I think if you could have... Like, you could play them at the four and the five, five, and they would be, like, smart and, like, could yeah, move around and be, both be secondary playmakers. And they would have the two best floor spacers in the league helping them operate. Right. Making, off, making up the fact that one of them can't shoot and the other one won't shoot. Right. I don't know. Like, I, it's not a perfect fit. I don't know if the Warriors do that. But I do think that the Warriors are going to look to trade D'Angelo Russell, and I think that Simmons might be the best player they could get for that. Um, so they might just want to take that swing. So who knows? Um, all right, this next deal is a straight player-for-player player swap, and that is Ben Simmons to the Nuggets for Jamal Murray. Nah. I've, I've <laughs> never... That, wow. Nah. I, I think Jamal Murray's good. I, I've said it before, I don't think he's, like, I don't know, max level was, I guess, you know, it's kind of like that that talk we had, you know, I think it was in the offseason sometime when you wanted to put a value on guys, you know, like an arbitrary value on guys. And while, yeah, like, that's the kind of guy you give a max contract to, I don't personally know that Jamal Murray is, like, a max contract guy for me. Um, and so I think Ben Simmons is just leaps above the talent level Jamal Murray is. Yeah, but what about fit? Like, I mean, I 
I mean, the fit, the fit is the fit is good, but I think, I think the talent disparity is way too much for the fit to matter in that just straight up one for one deal, you know? Okay. All right. Um. Okay. So next deal is with the Portland Trailblazers, and that is Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum. And I'm going to throw in a, a Portland first because I don't think it's a, a fair trade, personally. Really? See, I I think I and think I, personally C.J. McCollum is better than Jamal Murray, and the fit you are, is... You're absolutely right. You're absolutely and, right. And, yeah, and the fit is, you know, the same, maybe even better. I think C.J. McCollum is a better handler than Jamal Murray. I honestly haven't watched him handle much, the, but... Yeah, I probably should have thrown like some kind of picks or some stuff with Jamal right. Murray. Like, even even like, still I wouldn't do that one with Jamal Murray even with picks because the the Sixers do, are in win now mode. Would you do Jamal Murray and like I don't know if they were gonna throw in like Malik Beasley and like because he's a good wing that would play a lot for the Sixers. If right. they threw in Beasley and another first round pick or something. Yeah. If if that's the case point, then yeah. That's very possible. Um, yeah, Malik. B, I was trying looking at the Nuggets minutes right. to see how much they're giving up in that scenario. And Beasley hasn't been playing a whole lot. I mean, yeah, that's that's a better um, move. So to alter that deal, we're gonna make it Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley in a first, and we'll kind of come back at the end and see which deal you like the most. Yeah, that that yeah. one's pretty good. And are you talking do this mid season after the year? What are you? Just right now? Uh, I, I mean, I think that one could be done right now. Some of these yeah. just literally not be done right now. Right. Or like done, you know, McCollum trade deadline. Trade. Yeah, the McCollum trade would not be able to be done right now because right. some of enough money. So, um, mm. so it just kind of depends. Um, and so the next one is with the Wizards. And I think it's probably the best player. Uh, it's just straight up for Brad Beal. Yeah. Um. If they would do that, perfect. I think, yeah, that's a perfect fit for Brad Beal. Um, great value for the Wizards to get. I mean, Ben is still very young, and, you know, while the team sucks, you it's it maybe would be scary for from the Wizards' standpoint. One, I mean, Ben Simmons would probably hate that, so that would probably not be ideal on their part. Um, two, you know, it's kind of like, I thought putting RJ Barrett on a bad team, just like whatever bad habits Ben Simmons has, those come out on a bad team, especially when you're not surrounded by anyone else that's worth sharing the court with you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Philly would, that would definitely be a great move. I don't know if Washington would necessarily do that. Yeah. Well, think, even though that's great for them to get talent wise. Yeah. I think just from a, like the reality is, after by the end of next season, Washington's gonna have to trade Brad Beal. Like it's just it's going to happen because mm-hmm. uh, they're not gonna be good. They they don't have really any way to be good. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just getting out in front of it. Which I mean, signing into that extension told me that they aren't gonna try and get out in front of it. So mm-hmm. probably not a deal that they make. But I just thought I would throw that out there. So uh, real quick, I kind of want to talk about the Brad Beal extension. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird because everyone, you know, loves trading for guys on expiring deals. Does this weirdly make Brad Beal 
more tradable for other teams? Because like I kind of feel with with an elite elite player like that, you get scared to trade for him on the expiring deal when he just has the one year left, and you give up you know two first round picks and a decent prospect for like one year of a guy to maybe win a championship. But if you like, would you not want to give up more prospects to have three years of a guy like that? Like, I think in, in this mean, case, it kind of well, weirdly makes him more tradable. Probably, it's probably just two years. Okay. Two years after this one, because the last year's a player option. He's probably not going to I got it you. Right. Um, um, I sort of get what Sam is saying, uh, especially because, <laughs> and this is like the cliche whenever people talk about Bradley Beal, but like, I mean, he's younger than people think he is. So you're, I mean, five days younger. He was younger than I thought he was. I remember saying some dumb shit on the podcast like over the summer. (laughs) Because I literally remember I was at uh, some leadership camp when I was a sophomore in high school. Whenever the Thunder were trading James Harden, and I was like, hmm, maybe they could trade him to Washington for Bradley Beal. And like that was just when Bradley Beal was getting drafted. And so that time in my life whenever the th- James Harden was on the Thunder and I was in the first half of high school like that seems like ages ago right. Alex and I were hanging out on a football field when James Harden got traded it was really cool um, <laughs> the uh, um, yeah so that's my thing with Bradley Beal is your um, you know it's you know an extension with him isn't like an albatross thing because he's only going to get more valuable. Um, right. Right. No, yeah, I agree. I just, I thought the, the Wizards might just, you know, go ahead and trade him. Like, yeah. Now. But, I mean, they, they clearly have other plans there. I mean, they're a bad basketball team. And, like, unless Rui Hashimura is, like, a, le- a legit all-star, they're not going to get better unless, until they trade him. So, um, anyways. Moving yeah, let's on. hit some more trades. Yeah, these last couple are a little bit more involved, and they're more like fit specific, and I don't think you'll like them very much. Uh, but <laughs> so this one is Ben Simmons to the Pacers, and Brogdon, baby, I already know he's coming. Yeah, this is Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2022 first round pick for Ben Simmons. Yeah. That one's do think, good. Do you the think only... the Pacers do that? Yeah, I think they do. I don't know. Yeah. I, how el- how else? I mean, they Rockets have Victor Oladipo, but, I mean, that's the only way you're getting actual stars in Indiana because they're always going to be a good, not great, good, not horrible team to draft a star or get a guy to come there in free agency. So you're going to have to, you know, mm-hmm. take take – take a chance on a guy that was, you know, former top pick like Oladipo or Ben Simmons and, you know, yep. hope he continues doing what he was doing there. Yep. Um, and then finally, last deal is Ben Simmons to the Miami Heat. Uh, joining Jimmy again. Um, but the Sixers get Justice Winslow, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. And this would... This is almost all about, like, do you think Tyler Hero is, like, legit good or something? Uh, because, I mean, Winslow would be good for the Sixers, and he'd be a nice player, but I don't know what to think of Kendrick Nunn either. I don't think he's probably yeah. – he's probably I don't a, think, 
player, but not yeah, great. Yeah, I don't think he's long-term good. And also, the personal things about Kendrick Nunn, I don't care if he ever plays basketball again. You guys can Google that. But mm-hmm. I, I do think Tyler Hero is a great player. Maybe not great. He, he will be a good role player for years to come. You like the mentality. Justice Winslow, I was looking, he's actually the Heat's like leading minutes getter right now. I think he runs the, I guess he only played five, he's only played five games, that's why. Um, but he, he was playing really well uh, before he went down. According to his stats, again, didn't watch the guy because I don't care to watch the Miami Heat. Um, but yeah, I think that one would be decent all around. Um, you're you're kind of still maybe buying low on Justice Winslow. He still seems like he's ascending, and the guy's only you know 23 right now, so he still has more room to ascend. Um, so that one would be decent. You get some. They can can win now and also have more upside. I still don't think it's enough to get the Sixers to do that for Ben Simmons. And, but it's it's not. Those are all good players involved, at least. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of getting multiple guys to kind of fill roles. It's like all these other deals. It's like you get one guy that fills fills a role, but like this you get three guys that could probably be pretty useful to the Sixers and I think that in itself would help them um yeah so I mean let's take Brad Beal out of it because I think that's the obvious yeah so that's the obvious best one that wouldn't happen um the thing with like trading star players as you know great as it is on NBA 2k to get like three guys that are perfect fits and also you know, are good players, not just potential guys. It's just, it doesn't happen. Um, it looks like you're selling off a star for scraps. And so I don't think anything like that would be possible. The The CJ McCollum one is probably my favorite, just for the fact that, I mean, CJ would be a perfect fit. He's the most talented player involved out of any of those trades. He could maybe use a change of scenery also. Um, you know, he's definitely playing second fiddle there to Dame and you know maybe in Philly he's he's the number one creator I mean he is the number one creator offensively um I think he'd be a great fit with Joel I think he'd be a great fit just there in general um I always love when I'm the Sixers in 2k I love trading for CJ McCollum any chance I get is that like they like you said is a perfect fit yeah no I think that that is probably the best trade um i think my favorite trade out of all these is the pacers one actually like i like the idea of brogdon there. yeah i love brogdon there um and you know if there's some if the pacers had like one more guy that wasn't like super good that was interesting though that could help the the sixers that might be the deal Mm -hmm. but like after brogdon it's like demonis sabonis and the pacers wouldn't do that so yeah I don't know. I want to figure out how to how to trade um, Tobias Harris for Brogdon. Make that happen. Yeah, I think the Pacers would tell you to fuck off personally. Probably so, but maybe if it's like you know Tobias Harris and Mike Scott and a pick or something, you never know. Yeah, I keep thinking like if they if the Sixers could do one of these deals, 
Like, I mean, the one that sticks out, like, obviously the, the Brogdon deal would be interesting. But then if they did that and then still traded for Chris Paul, like, then they're, like, super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think that, you know, Brogdon's still not, like, a point guard, point guard that can create shots for everybody and get his own shot anytime he wants. And I think if you could put him with, uh, Chris Paul in the backcourt, then it's it's pretty interesting, and I don't know. And like they still have Josh Richardson, and I like Josh Richardson, um, but I don't know. I just I think the Sixers need to shake things up a little bit, and you're you're not trading Joel Embiid. It's just mm-hmm. not a thing that they can do. Like he is the process, you know. Right. I think I think Tobias Harris is probably the most likely to get moved just because he's that kind of guy. That everyone thinks they need Tobias Harris. Um, the money makes it tough now. But, yeah, I think he's probably the most likely to get moved. And that's the thing. It's so hard coming up with trades for Phillies. Like, they don't – they have some interesting guys. But, you know, all their salaries tied up in five different guys. And, you know, two of mm-hmm. them are massive stars. One of them came there last year and two of them came there this offseason. So, it's like, I don't know – what moves Philly can make that aren't on the margins, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, okay. So I know I talked to you guys earlier and about some trades revolving around the thunder, because obviously we're all thunder fans and, you know, obviously the, the first trade we threw out was a, was a thunder trade. So do you guys have any other deals that you like for the thunder? Uh, so, in the process of preparing for this podcast, I spent a lot of time today uh, thinking about trades and working on the trade machine, specifically focusing on trading Dennis Schroeder, whose stock is right now high, I guess. I don't know. He is scoring points. Um, you know, he doesn't look horrible right now, generally. And so the thought is you could trade him now. Except, and here's the thing, you can't trade him now. I don't, I can't come up with a deal that makes any sense for the team receiving shooter. Um, he's not a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know what team would take him. I don't know what team could possibly need an upgrade at backup point guard and are willing to take on, you know, $15.5 million to do so. There aren't very many teams who can do that. Um, and the ones that could maybe be interested in that don't really have anything to offer the Thunder. I don't think a shooter trade happens, uh, yeah. which is really, which really sucks because I'm tired of watching him play. Yeah, shooter's a really hard player to have on a team like the Thunder, where they're like kind of trying to lose because he's one of those guys that he doesn't ever really score his average. You know, like he's either way mm-hmm. worse than his average or he's way better. And right. in those that he's way better, he's going to touch the ball a ton and just hijack the offense. And he might be good enough on that night to win you the game. And that's just the last thing you want. Um, right. Because, like, when he does that, who, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander's not touching the basketball. Darius Baisley's not touching the basketball. So it's just like a lose lose situation whenever Dennis freaking Schroeder has a great game. Yeah. And it's. 
Because Schroeder running the second unit means that the other guys in the second unit don't get to touch the ball. It means that the second unit now has less ball movement than the starters. And it means that when he's in the game with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Chris Paul, the ball moves less. Yeah. Which is infuriating. And the ball, he's also the worst shooter of those three. So he's the one that has the ball more. And he's mm-hmm. the worst with the ball. Which is, it's just, I don't like it. Unfortunately, that's the deal we we made. Um, right. I think Bear probably right. would have just nice to have Mello's deal expire. For being honest, Schroeder is. Uh, I think Schroeder's a decent guy to have as like kind of a luxury piece on a contending team, um, because that is looking for a guy to like generate a spark with their second unit. Um, I have. I don't think he's the best guy in the NBA for that by mm-hmm. far, but I think that's a role he can play. He's overpaid for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah. So like, I think the thunder taking him on made sense at the time, but he's, I don't think there's very many players in the NBA whose style of play and like career trajectory match up worse with what the thunder are trying to do right now. I have a single trade that I will throw out there for Dennis Shooter. There's one team that I think makes some sense for him, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Because they, I mean, it's pretty much the Lucas show, and they could probably use a guy that can just use possessions when Luka's not using them because they just, who else creates for them? You know, like their guards, it's like J.J. Barea is maybe the best secondary creator they have. Like, it's an issue um, that they might run into, especially as they they move further into the season and closer to the playoffs. But, um, so, and they also have Tim Hardaway Jr., who's terrible. He's just a bad basketball player. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the Thunder could trade Dennis Schroeder, for Tim Hardaway Jr. and get some kind of draft compensation for it, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that because, I mean, I can watch Tim Hardaway Jr. play. He's just a shooting guard that shoots it when he gets it. Like, he's not right. a bad shooter, so he might actually create some space for your guards instead of shooter who doesn't create space for anybody. So it's like there's something at least a little bit more watchable about him to mm-hmm. me than, than a shooter, even though he's just not good. Right. Uh, how would you feel about um, including Ferguson in the trade? No, why? I just, you know, because <laughs> I don't think the I don't think Dennis Shooter's very good, and I think that Dallas might want more. Um, oh shit, dude! Like, I don't think so, man. Like, Hardaway's real bad. Yeah, so right. saving saving that five million dollars probably make it a little easier to take on Shooter. Yeah, that's fair. Can you can can Schroeder go back up Jeff Teague again in Minnesota? I was trying to get a deal to Minnesota made. Um, I mean, so you could take Gorgie Jang back. They're not playing him like at all, and he makes a little bit more than Schroeder. And mm-hmm. Schroeder's probably better. And they're they like seemingly have no backup point guard to speak of. I mean, they've. Like, literally all their reserves, none of them that have been playing in recent games, none of them are point guards. Um, so they've really just been playing Jeff Teague, and then obviously Wiggins dominates the ball a lot. But could he go there and you take on Gorgie Jang back and maybe get, like, Josh Okogie 
who is you know a decent player from a couple of years ago, and they've he's gotten some run for them and played a lot last year in his rookie year and still played a lot for them this year, I think. And just I mean, he's a quote unquote three and D guy that I think Presti would love. That like maybe they just want to get rid of the dude. I mean, he shot twenty eight percent from three last year, and he shoot twenty three percent this year. It's like maybe it's just a they get to save a little money. We take a chance, and they get you know a decent player to run their second unit. We get to take a chance on a guy who maybe isn't going to be anything, and they're ready to give up on. Yeah, I don't know if they'd be willing to give up on Josh Okogie, If I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't know if they would either. I mean, because they still play him 25 minutes a game, yeah. even though he can't shoot the ball at all. Yeah. I would, I would, I would do shooter for Jing, um, with Straight a up. with compensate, with like a pick, and not even a very good pick. Yeah, and because the thing behind that is like their salaries are like shooters making five hundred thousand dollars less, and they're both two years left on their deal. So I mean, it would be like a second round pick maybe from them. Right. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Which is fine. I mean, maybe we play right. Gordy Jang here. Maybe so someone else wants him. Right. I don't love the. And I, it's a really small amount, and they could. They're obviously they're going to make like a Danilo deal, and that'll probably fix this problem. But I don't love the Thunder taking on any money, uh, just because they're really close to the tax line, and getting under it is just very convenient. Um, break up the repeater situation um but that said like yeah i would take i would take jing shooter and like a pick um because the other like you're making the team worse which is what you're trying to do yeah um, in a way I, that I think really helps you plus like having jing on the roster means you can <laughs> it puts you in a better situation for trading adams right yeah which it looks like that's not a great Right, or, or or even trading Nerlens, right? Uh, to me, like you could, like that opens up the so deal. So, like at the deadline, trade Nerlens to the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Or the other teams, players. other teams. I was trying to think of, like, I feel like you could sucker Orlando into thinking they need to improve their backup point guard scenario so they can, mm-hmm. like, get into that eight seed. But they really don't have the money to do anything. Um, like all of their money is up in Vucevic, who they just paid, Gordon, who is still their future, Fournier, who they probably like, and then you're at Terrence Ross, who makes 12.5, which, did they just, yeah, yeah they just re-signed him to a four-year deal. Yeah, they don't really have the money to do it. Yeah, them, so they don't really have uh, anything. Them cutting Timofey Mozgov was a huge mistake and really a big blow to the Thunder trying to make any deals with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that kind of sucks. It's also just kind of proof of incompetent management. Like the idea that you would not want to have that $17 million firing contract on your books is kind of insane to me, but it's the magic. Um, all right. So do we have any deals? I mean, for Steven Adams or for Danilo Gallinari that we're interested in, obviously like Gallinari, the easy trade is to the the Blazers just kind of straight up for like Whiteside or a Baysmore type and just get a first round draft pick, which I'm totally fine with. I think that's the most likely scenario here as the Blazers get more and more desperate. Do you think there's a scenario though that like, I mean, obviously the Blazers are desperate right now 
and I assume there are going to be more desperate teams as the year goes. Is there a scenario where the Thunder can kind of pit those two teams against each other and wind up getting more than just like a first-round draft pick for him? I definitely, I mean, it's certainly not something Sam Presti is inexperienced in doing. He kind of did it uh, this summer. Um, yeah. As part of pulling off the, like, the most, like... Most uh, draft capital of all time. Right. Um, I think, um, yeah, with Gallinari, the one thing with Gallinari is that the longer you wait, the greater the chances that he gets hurt. Um, like his history of injury just makes it seem to me like you want to flip this quickly while he's still like looking like the, one of the best shooters in the NBA and a capable secondary playmaker, like, and not a hurt guy. Um, cause his value goes from like very high to zero feet like with unbelievable quickness right yeah um, and I think that you'll see that once teams are like fully able to trade their roster like december 15th comes around i think you'll see a trade pretty quickly after that right uh, and you know one thing i've heard a lot of people talk about that's completely true is that the thunder are really lucky that their schedule has set up the way it has because it's been a really hard schedule so far while they have a full-strength team. And it's possible that as their schedule softens up, they make some trades that make them significantly worse so that their wins don't pick up with that. And so they kind of get the best of both worlds and that they were a moderately interesting team for a good part of the year but just couldn't win games because they were playing good teams. And then they become a team that just is like a normal tank team after those trades. Yep, you love it. It's working out for us. Yeah, it's the perfect tank scenario, man. Mm -hmm. I think Alex retweeted that or tweeted that himself the other day. Yeah, I think uh, the Suns are an interesting team for Danilo. Um, They've got Tyler Johnson's expiring contract that's you know similar to the Bazemore deal. Um, A deal like, would you trade Tyler Johnson and Mikael Bridges for Danilo if you're Phoenix? Because I think that's a deal I would make. Uh, yeah, if I'm Phoenix, I, I would do that. Yeah. Would you do that if you were the Thunder instead of getting a pick, getting Mikael Bridges? Mm. Um, I would rather, instead of getting a pick and Mikael Bridges, is that what you said? No, instead of getting a pick, you get Mikael Bridges. Oh, yeah, either think, one. Either either of that's fine with me. Mikael Bridges. I think I would rather have a pick than Mikael Bridges, um, but I don't know. Um, I mean, I personally love Mikhail Bridges, but I think either is fine. Right. I don't... Yeah. I'm a big Mikhail Bridges fan. Um, right, but I I just feel like a pick fits the timeline better. Um, yeah, it's fair. I, mean, I, don't want the, I don't want the Thunder to get like locked into paying Mikhail Bridges too much like before they're ready to start winning. Yeah, it's just like if you were to find... A guy like Mikael Bridges, and he turns out to be like a really good three and D player. Then you could flip him pretty easily because everybody right. Mikael Bridges right. in his like fully realized form. Um, and if he doesn't like, if it takes him a little bit, you might get him on a really cheap deal or something. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting. And I, I I've been a fan of him basically since the draft. And I think if he had been on not the Suns, he would you know be a much better player which mm-hmm. I know the Suns are having kind of a, a, a moment right now, but they are, they're still the Suns to me. 
I just have to say, I saw a tweet the other day where someone tweeted a picture of Tyler Johnson and Moe Schrute from The Office, and they look like uh-huh. exactly the same, and I'll never be able to see it. Right. Right. Um, I have one. Um, I think you can play off the Kings' incompetence, and I think, are they a good spot, a landing spot for Steven Adams? It's an Oof. interesting question. See, I kind of uh, like it, and they're they're grossly mismanaging Bogdan Bogdanovich right now. And I think you could maybe get him back and then take on, like, the Dwayne Dedman contract. That's I mean, I like Dwayne Dedman as a player, and he's just looked absolutely horrible in Sacramento right now. Like, all of their stats with him on the court are just very, very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah. you could you could take that on, and you could, like, sell them on the fact that, you know, they're... They're roaring back. They're right there. They need a real star, um, especially with, you know, how long's Marvin Bagley hurt? A couple months? I don't know. I haven't. I've been meaning to look at that, but I can't. I've never, I haven't remembered to do mm-hmm. it yet. And also, I feel like Marvin Bagley, like, he's great at center. Um, and I feel like he might be the kind of guy that, you know, kind of like Al Horford or Anthony Davis, where they, they are for. Um, and it's like, I, I know right now he plays a lot at the four and he thinks of himself as a force. So I think they, they would, whether they should or not, they would be fine with playing him next to Steven Adams. So here's the problem with that deal is that Rashawn Holmes has been significantly better than Steven Adams this year. Yeah. Rashawn yeah. Holmes has been very good for them. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm the Kings, yes, they are incompetent. So you can't you can't discount that, but I would not make that trade in a million years, personally. Right. And we've been, t- I guess, sort of like variations on Adams for Bogdanovich have been discussed. Were discussed all through the summer, uh, and you know, if you know, depending on whether or not how many of those discussions actually happened, like the Kings decided at some point no, and then they just went out and signed Deadman. So. Right. Uh, the idea that they would then trade Bogdanovich and Deadman for Adams, like I get that Deadman's bad, and you know, looking at the numbers, yeah, but it's a yeah. I don't know if the Kings would do that. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing that I really have to talk about is I want to talk about the Houston Rockets um, because they've been incredibly good ever since they got fucking destroyed by the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I want to talk about is that they're going to fall flat on their face in the playoffs. And I am very excited about it. Um, (laughs) Russell Westbrook getting worse at shooting. Have y'all looked at his stats this year? They're bad. They're bad. You know what he's shooting from three right now? I'm going to guess 24%. I'm going to say 21%. Oh, Ryan, a little bit closer. He's shooting 22% from three five <laughs> attempts a game. Um, his yeah, well, I had to say 22, but it's so boring whenever you get those things right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it really kills your, your buzz, and so I didn't want to steal that from you. Right, okay. Uh, his free throw percentage is up to 70%, so that's he's got that's, that going. That's very impressive. But yeah, and he's not doing the whole. He's not doing the triple double thing now. He's averaging twenty one eight and seven. So I think you know at some point I think the Rockets are going to go through some tough times because 
they have Russell Westbrook and James Harden on the same team. Right. And I, I don't think the fit's actually been good, but <laughs> wait, hang on. What? How could how could this be? Yeah, yeah. I'm being yeah. I'm being sarcastic. Right. Um no, yeah, it's I don't think they're gonna be able to sustain like Russ putting up five threes a night and making one of them. Mm-hmm. And Harden putting up like forty shots a night, and only fifteen of them count, and or whatever. What Harden is doing doesn't feel sustainable, but it didn't feel sustainable last year either. I actually um, think what he's doing is sustainable, but I just don't think it's like. I basically, I guess, I'm just you know, as like a homer, I guess, like I think Harden has kind of figured out how to game the system in terms of scoring. And I think he's going to average close to 40 points a game this year. But I just don't think it really matters that much because mm-hmm. in the end, it's not going to, you're not going to be able to win doing what he does. It's just not going to happen in the playoffs. And, you know, yeah, he's an unbelievable player. But like the reason why he's averaging more points now is because they're, you, they're having more possessions. Their pace is a lot faster now with Russ kind of speeding everything up. So Harden's just, doing more he's shooting more and that's really it his volume's just up a little bit and you know i'm i don't know i i'm very excited to watch this fail because russ is not like the way this was going to work is if russ went there and you know kind of took a back seat and like rediscovered his shooting stroke and that just seems to be getting worse and right defensively in the end they're going to struggle because russ will not sustain a full season of playing actual defense. Um, so they're playing good defense right now. And I mean, obviously they started really poorly, but I think, you know, as the year progresses, Russ is, you know, the defensive intensity is going to decrease and it's just going to be an issue yeah. for them. And yeah, you know, like they're, they're a nice story right now. Harden's averaging 39 points a game, which I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I'm, like it's impressive like i'm not not impressed by him but i'm also like i think the numbers they don't really tell the story of what is actually happening you know what i mean right and also just like god they looking at their like statistical profile like they are they have just become a pickup team like they're third fast they're the third fastest team in the league you know they're averaging 106 possessions um, their um, their assist percentage is third lowest in the league. Um, you know they're not rebounding; they're rebounding the ball like a perfectly average team. Um, mm-hmm. like yeah, it's ugh. yeah. I just I I I I wasn't I wasn't I don't know if I it could have predicted this, but I feel like they're they're going faster and it's not more watchable. No, it's not watchable at all. Like it's awful to watch. Um, them and Philly have been the teams that I've had the most, the hardest time watching this year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, like Russ, right. This year, Russ's PDR this year is 19. Like that's right. That's like bad. I mean, low. Like he's, he's on a decline. Like last year it was 21, which was, the lowest since his second year in the league and it's not getting better. His true shooting percentage has dipped under 50%. Like that. I mean, the fact that James it's really bad. is cool, 
but that's not going to be a sustainable form of success. He's not LeBron. Right. Um, and it's like, this is, you know what's definitely not going to make Harden less likely to be worn out by the time they get to the playoffs? Is uh, playing faster is the answer to that one. That's probably not going to have that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I feel like he's having to do even more now because Russ is maybe the least efficient offensive player, like high usage offensive player in the league. So Harden's having to make yeah. up for that now rather than just, you know, having to make up for the fact that Chris Paul was going to miss some games and stuff, you know? So I don't know. I think I'm, I'm waiting for it to kind of crash. Like Russ's offensive rating is 102. You know, like that's really, really low. I wonder what Harden's offensive rating is. Let me check that real quick. All right. He's also... Yeah, Harden has an offensive rating of 119, and Russ has an offensive rating of 102. Oof. Yeah. That's, that's not good. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm, you look at things like... And this makes sense because the ball's in his hand less, but his assist percentage is down. Uh, but so is his assist-to-turnover. Uh, his assist-to-turnover ratio is worse um, yeah, still averaging over four turnovers a game, but he's not averaging double-digit assists. He's averaging seven assists a game. Right. Like, it's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. It doesn't – It's he's shooting well at the rim. Yeah. Which is which like – always happen. Okay, Russ. Always. Yeah. I, I, I see people bring that up, and it's like, yeah, you know, that was the case last year too. Um, five threes a game. Can't I, you hate to see it? Mm-hmm. Five yeah, and a half threes a game. Yeah, I mean he's right. he's not he's a declining player, and I'm glad the Thunder don't have to pay him anymore. That dude's got this. He's on four years left on his contract. That's insane. Yeah, it's gonna be the worst back in the league in two years. So yeah. John anyway. Wall has entered the chat. Oh, that's a fair point. That's a fair that's point. That's a really fair point. Fair point. Oh, man. Second worst <laughs> I re- Now I really just want Russ and John Wall to team up. I think that'd oh, be God. fun. That'd be the saddest team in the league, Ryan. Don't say that. Huh? Do you think they would get in a fight with each other? I don't know. Like, John Wall seems like a really... It's so weird to, like, try and figure out who Russ irrationally loves and who he would fist fight even when they're on his own team. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, he loved Dennis Schroeder. Like, how how (laughs) easy is it to get along with that guy? Probably not very easy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, any last thoughts? Um... Because I guess, I mean, I think as the year goes along, we'll kind of get a better feel for where the Thunder are going to finish. We're going to start talking about draft stuff, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, Sam, do you have any draft stuff you've been kind of looking into lately? Not lately, really. Um, We were stripped away. James Wiseman was stripped away from us and then given back to us and then stripped away. And then now only stripped away for 11 games. So um, right. that's good. We'll at least get to see him. Is we he thought... going to have to donate $15,000 to charity? 
Yeah, eleven thousand five hundred. I think oh, that's was what the it number. Was. Okay. Um, don't know how they can mandate that from a college player. It seems very weird. Some people yeah. think that it that means that Memphis did drop. They know Memphis or Penny dropped a big bag for James Wiseman. This is him repaying it. I don't think right. that's, that's a the very, case. I think well, they I don't just know. that's a very up. specific number. Yeah, I, I don't but know. But at the same time, it's like if they know if they have details of the situation that they're yeah. able to drop that specific number. It's like I don't know if Memphis is playing basketball this season. Yeah, and it's apparently something that um, they've been doing for a while as a punishment for people. Um, so I don't know how they can mandate that, but apparently they have been doing it. Um, it's different from what we know of James Wiseman's story. It's kind of different than just, Oh, they paid him $50,000 to come to school here. Right. So it's, it's, it's all a weird deal. I don't know that we know anything that we personally really know anything about it or ever will, but that's kind of, you know, something going on with the top draft prospect right now. Um, other than that, haven't really seen much from draft guys we've talked about lately. Um, Josh Green from Arizona that I like a lot has been had been shooting the ball decently well. I hadn't checked up on him lately, but um, he started out pretty hot. Arizona as a whole looks like they might have some guys, so that's good. Um, yeah, just check out a lot of the guys that Isaiah Joe has been shooting the ball really well. I'm still still love that guy a lot. Uh, but yeah, other than that, not a whole lot of draft stuff has developed early this early on in the season. Right. We'll see as we get into some more. They play a lot of those tournaments around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, don't they? Yeah. Can't yeah, remember. Well, can't remember which holiday they play them around, but we'll we'll get to see some of that. Mm-hmm. See some good competition. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and end it. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Purd underscore Happily. That's P-U-R-D underscore Happily. And at NotThatSamDavis. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week uh, about football, maybe some more basketball. We'll see.